thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to Wellness Women Radio with women's health experts, Dr. Ashley Bond, the pregnancy and birthing guru, and the queen of hormone imbalances, the period whisperer herself, Dr. Andrea Huddleston. They're raising the bar for women's health by bringing you the most up-to-date health and wellness information to live your best life. Now, onto the show. This episode of Wellness Women Radio is very proudly brought to you by Dinner Twist. Dr. Ashley and I want to let you in on a little secret of how we maintain our healthy whole foods lifestyle with very little time. And one of those ways is actually with Dinner Twist. So they plan, they shop, they deliver everything to our door to take all of the guesswork out of having really healthy meals for dinner each night. Um, I love Dinner Twist because they are a locally family-owned business here in Perth in Western Australia, and all of their produce is locally sourced and seasonal. So they are really invested in all of their suppliers as well, which is absolutely amazing. Everything is so fresh. Uh, Ashley and I both get the Wholesome Box, which is naturally gluten and dairy-free as well, and is very consistent with a paleo-type lifestyle as well. Uh, so it's, you know, completely consistent with, you know, the way that we want to eat and want to feed our loved ones too. This is also how I trick Dean into thinking that I can actually cook. So seriously, if I can do it, everybody can trust me. And their recipes are so delicious. They also have other options apart from the wholesome box. So they have a family box for bigger size families an express box. If you're really short on time, uh, as well as a vegan box too. Now, we would love to give you the opportunity for you to actually try Dinner Twist and realize how healthy, how delicious and how fresh it is, but also how much easier this is going to make life as well. So we have a special promo code for you, and that is going to give you $35 off your first box. And that is WWR for Wellness Women Radio. Um, So we would love you to uh, try for yourself. Don't take my word for it, but let me know what you think. Without further ado, ladies, onto the show. Hello there, lovely listeners. This is a fabulous episode for all the mamas out there. So uh, we really thank you for joining us today on Wellness Room Radio. I'm Ashley. And I'm Andrea. And uh, Ashley, I don't think it's just for the mums. Like I think it's for um, all of the amazing health practitioners that also tune in to us and the friends of mums too, to know how that they can support their, um, you know, their friends, their girlfriends um, and their family members better when they're experiencing, you know, essentially what we're going to talk about tonight, which I actually think is the majority of women that we see these days that will have some level of postnatal depletion. Yes, it's a it's a really interesting one because I think you know it's a really uh, a reflection of modern womanhood. It's a reflection mm-hmm. of modern motherhood. It's uh, an example of the pressures we put ourselves under, which culminates into this constellation of, of signs and symptoms, which manifests essentially as just a. I don't feel right. I don't feel yeah. well. I'm run down. I'm exhausted. And the interesting thing is that um, the term postnatal depletion was coined by uh, Dr. Oscar Serilak, and he's you know a doctor from Northern New South Wales, and he just sort of noticed um, the frequency of the women coming in with thyroid issues, fatigue issues, yes. deficiency, micronutrient deficiency issues, um, and this was not just 
in the postpartum period of six weeks or six months, it was six years, 10 years after um, their last child. And it's he, what he noticed was that women were never recovering. They weren't recovering back to the woman they were before their first child or their third child or their 10th child. They just didn't get back to the health and the vibrance that they had before. Um, and then the question was why? Yeah. And like, I see this every single day in practice with most mums of young kids and not, and I'm not talking about newborns either. Like this is normally when I see the, the real culmination of these symptoms, which we'll go into seem to pop up sort of around the one yearish mark when, um, you know, women are supposed to be, you know, quote unquote, supposed to be maybe getting back to work, but they've still got a baby but they're expected to be the exact same high-functioning person they were before, but all of a sudden the time pressure is so much more um, intense and they're still trying to be everything to everybody, but they've got another human that they're sort of looking after. And um, Ash, just as we were about to start recording, I, I just thought it was so funny. You said that you were sitting there in your PJs as we're about to record because you've been Ella's been waking up at 5 every morning Yes, we've had a good run of the last week and uh, it's really interesting when we were talking about this because it made me smile thinking, you know, you just when you think you're starting to get things going, like your baby starts to sleep longer periods during the night, at the moment Ella's having sort of morning parties where once she wakes at five, she'll be flapping around and babbling and wanting to be up and you know, I sort of have to sit and hang with her until about six o'clock. She needs about an hour to wind down and fall back asleep and she'll go back to sleep again, but I won't. And it's really frustrating. Um, and I'm, I'm and then sort of Ollie's that, up and then it's overwired, overtired. To... Yeah. It's just a really interesting thing. And you know, that classic example of, of mums being trained to deal with sleep deprivation. Um, but when your baby starts sleeping so often, our circadian is so messed up that we can't actually get back to sleep easily, even if we want to, even if our body desperately needs us to. Um, and that's kind of how I feel right now. So I'm just taking a little bit more care with uh, your nutrition and rest and uh, mindful of how fast I'm doing everything, just trying to slow down a fraction to see if I can in- induce some more recovery. But um, this is a perfect timing to, to refresh myself on all of these things because I thought, great, this is actually not one for the listeners. This is, <laughs> this is one for me. Um, and I, and I totally one. thought of you when I was sort of putting a, um, some notes together for tonight's show, Ash, to just like I honestly don't know how you do it and I don't know how mothers do it um, having, you know, one or two lilies and still, you know, being a wife and, um, you know, a girlfriend and have going to work and just how you get a semblance of self still within that or even any you time. And that's just some of the, you know, mental, emotional stuff, right? But there's also a huge physical aspect to it as well. And the way that I'm interpreting, um, you know, this postnatal depletion is this kind of term that describes the fact that even the process of conception, the carrying of the baby, the nutrient depletion that happens during pregnancy, the fact that most nutrients are lost during labor itself, and then that postpartum sort of period of like just absolute like you know nutrient depletion and um you know sleep deprivation and huge hormonal changes and everything else that you know goes with that and the amount of energy that's required in that postnatal period 
and then not having that support both mentally, emotionally, and also physically, which includes all of the micronutrients and everything else, that we have a depleted mum from birth that just carries on to just worsening levels of that. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. Ash, I'm sure you've got a more succinct way to describe it. Oh, look, I think if you're trying to think about what it is in the simplest way, I always just say, look, it's when you don't feel like you've recovered hormonally, nutritionally, or emotionally from the birth of your child. Oh, it's so much more succinct. I love it. And, but, but those examples are perfect, Andrew, because so many people yeah. just don't even think of maybe the emotional aspect and, oh, well, you know, it's, that's not a big deal or the self-love aspect or the, the self-esteem aspect or, you know, they focus on nutritional sleep, maybe some of the elements, but not the holism, the holistic approach to all of that, which, you know, culminates in the, um, the syndrome, as they like to call it, which is depletion. So um, I, I find it really interesting how normalized um it is to be a rundown mum um and i feel like that's actually something we should be really concerned about that we if we meet another mum they're like oh my god i'm exhausted oh yeah me too it's totally a mum thing isn't it like it's almost like we're permitting each other to get to that point of complete rundown because rather than saying um, wow, you know, it shouldn't be like this. How can we help? We're actually just saying, oh, yeah, everyone feels this way, so, like, get on with it. Does that and it's, kind and of it cover it? And it seems acceptable for, mm. like, 10 years. Mm, yeah, you know, absolutely. it's um, and you know, mums not just with newborns or toddlers, but even with you know, like younger kids, right up until you know, even to when the kids are ten or eleven years old, it seems completely acceptable for mums to just be absolutely rock bottom, totally depleted. Um, and it's also not surprising that mums who have more than one child are at much higher risks of even worsening levels of this depletion because of that. Um, let's, was, let's have a look at some of the things, what it looks like. So if someone's right. wondering whether they, you know, like fit the category, we've said, they might've already said, oh yeah, I've already got those things. But it, you know, examples would be like, um, just feeling overwhelmed, feeling like you're not coping, saying things like I said after Oliver's birth, which was, you know, I felt like I was drowning. I felt like I was suffocating. Like I couldn't express mm-hmm. the degree of uh, fatigue that I was experiencing. It was, it was like nothing I'd ever experienced and, and it was persisting. It wasn't just stopping at six weeks or eight weeks or 12 weeks. It kept going. And I think, you know, like, is there a light at the end of the tunnel here? Like how long does this go on for? Um, you know, what I would call is, is more like, extreme exhaustion not just feeling yes. a little bit tired because you've had a few wake-ups in a night but just feeling like you're dragging your feet all day every day and you just can't wait till the next sleep cycle that your child's going to go through so you can just stop for a second um you know looking forward yeah. to every time your child's sleeping oh my god i just need a break from <laughs> like this child has to sleep now so i can have a break that's a you know that's a really clear example of not coping and, and the fatigue levels you're experiencing um a big one is the baby brain you know that baby fog there's mm-hmm. obviously reasons for that but the the duration that it persists for is the thing that should, should be concerning to women if it's still you know occurring months and later after birth then that's not a normal response of the brain to that child's birth. Um, 
So, mm. you know, concentrating, Which, remembering things. Mm. We'll explain the whys because we'll go through, you know, why that happens to women because baby brain is that real thing. So anyone who says, oh, don't be silly, no, it's actually a scientific real thing. Um, very clear reasons why it happens. It's literally the baby stills parts of your brain, which is phenomenal. But <laughs> Yeah, it shrinks by 5%. And funnily enough, I've got my mum here. Um, she's visiting from Queensland at the moment, which is amazing. And Ash, she's our biggest fan. She um, repeats back to me things that we say on the podcast that I don't even remember. Um, oh, she's hilarious. And um, so my mum has three kids and so I've asked her, has your brain shrunk 15%? And she refused to, uh, you know, she was like, no way, it like bounces back. But, <laughs> but 5%, um, and th- there's like an actual measurable shrinkage of the brain. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. that is, that's that baby brain. It's the mum brain. Um, and that brain fog you're referring to, Ash, that is, it's that sense of confusion, lack of clarity. It's that forgetfulness, um, the, you know, you repeating yourself over and over or someone needing to repeat things to you over and over. So that's sort of that symptomatic of what you're, what you're describing. Well, there's a great study done on women with um, pregnancy and how it affected the brain and exactly what you said. What it does, it's, um, it steals DHA, which is an essential mm. fatty component of the brain. So the, the gray matter of the brain shrinks, it reduces, it prunes neurons, um, and they liken it in terms of the response of the brain structure to the same things that occur at puberty. So the pubescent brain goes through the same thing, the pruning of the brain tissue to allow for new wiring, new connections, new adaptability. Um, And the reason I think it happens, they're not quite sure why the pregnant brain does it, aside from taking and stealing DHA, which is required for developing the baby's brain, the fatty acids Mm. and the myelin sheath around the coating of the neurons. um, They think it has a relationship to the idea that we have to rewire our brain for... um, environmental adaptive awareness so we've got to have our brain Mm. set and switched on for different things we we now notice things differently we see things differently we've increased our emotional intelligence our eq um, to be more receptive to our child's needs so they think it has relationship Mm -hmm. to the essential requirements to actually have a child survive you need to respond to their needs and be situationally better aware of your environment and so that's the thought yeah. behind why it does this pruning um, through pregnancy and postpartum. And I thought, oh, gosh, that's amazing. Like we know how smart the human body is and the grand design of, you know, generations of generations of women getting to the point that we now have this huge, fatty, intelligent brain, which allows us <laughs> to do such, you know, amazing things. Yeah. Um, and it's unique because I think, you know, they, they talked about the brain development and their fat requirement and, you know, it's it's unique in the mammals. I, there's, there's no other mammal that gets even close to the requirements of volume and fatty acid material required. So, you know, it just shows why we're, we're so smart. <laughs> um, but that's also why we awesome. get so foggy when we're, we're you know, depleted. And totally looks at um, why we need to be, you know, utilising or overcompensating for some of those mm-hmm. things. And Ash, that vigilance of the brain and how that changes in mothers to sort of be aware of those things, um, I think is part of that 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 mum brain kind of change in a good way. But I think the hypervigilance, Correct, yeah. um, so that, that feeling of being constantly, you know, wired, constantly, um, you know, on high alert, even in normal sort of safe circumstances and, and kind of seeing, um, oh, I, 
you know, whatever it might be, like the, it's almost like your nervous system is so wound up that loud noises, bright lights, all of that sort of stuff is just overwhelming for your system because you're so on alert all the time. Um, and we know that when we see women, when they're stressed, they're doing that tend and befriend sort of activity where they're fussing around their young. Um, and part of the symptomatic picture of that is that hypervigilance, which also leads into like the anxiety that we see as well and well and truly above the norm. So this is women who will be saying that they experience anxiety now that they've never had before. Yeah, it's the worrying, it's the overthinking, it's the the fixating on the health and well-being of their baby, worrying that every little thing that happens, you know, should I be going to the doctor? Do I need to go to the hospital right now? Like it becomes almost um, paranoid and it's not intentional. It's just simply, it's like you said, it's that hypervigilance, which can become very uncomfortable, can be very concerning and very quality of life affecting as well because it's um, to, to the outsider or to the relationship, it can really become an effect in the interpersonal relationships. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And There's also just immune responses as well. You know, you're mm. talking about hypervigilance. Well, if you're running at that degree of um, stress response all the time, we're designed to have stress on, stress off. But what happens in postpartum nearly always, it's stress on, stress on. You know, our cortisol doesn't get a chance to reset and it just simply mm. burns out our, uh, our cortisol response systems, which means we're more likely to get sick more frequently, run down um this is where all of the the gut immune brain concepts come in so this is where we start to have yeah. you know skin issues um persistent sinus allergies eczema flare-ups um anything could be can... persistent mastitis as yeah, well exactly yeah. all of the above and that's and that's a really um important one to note because that's a great example. I think, you know, I'll sort of chat between the difference between Ola's postpartum and Ella's postpartum because they're wildly different and for very good reason now that I see. Um, I was more concerned about my preparation uh, for pregnancy and postpartum with Ella's than I was with Oliver's. Like there was just a couple of factors there. I was so worried about the birthing experience, you know, making all that stuff right for Oliver. But with my second pregnancy, I was so much more concerned about the postpartum experience because it was so um traumatic I would say the word because I would I really had to debrief myself um in between the pregnancies because I felt like I was dealing with a degree of almost like post-traumatic stress um like I kept getting overwired and and triggered and I was like oh my god this is like a full-blown traumatic stress response going on here this is not normal I have to sort this out um so it required counseling you know in, in a careful way for me to unwind that like, uh, yeah, and I was scared to have another child. I thought, I can't go through that again. So we'll talk about all those things and, and why that comes about. But definitely, you know, for example, not feeling ever feeling like you wake up feeling energized. Like if you yeah. wake up feeling tired all the time every morning mm. and there's no amount of sleep that can make you feel good, then there's something not right. And that's that, um, that whole idea of what postnatal depletion looks like. And low libido as well, like completely switches off your sex you know, sex desirability, mm-hmm. all of those things, because when you're in survival mode, your body doesn't care much for procreating. Yeah. And nor do you have the, like the energy or the reserves to even do that. Because if you're falling asleep when you're putting the kids to bed, you know, like how are you going to have time to, you know, even think about that for yourself? And interestingly enough, what some of the things that women will say when they're really in the depths of this is that sometimes they can feel a level of anger or resentment to their partners because 
they don't have as much physical exertion on them or they, they haven't been depleted like that. Um, so, you know, the mums don't have time to exercise. They don't have time to do the things that make them feel good. <laughs> um, so it would be even more difficult to create, keep that connection and um, intimacy with your partner when maybe subconsciously you're mad at them about that. <laughs> Absolutely. You nailed it when you said something like resentment, because that's a great word that a lot of mothers use. Like they resent their partner for um, still feeling good or having um, sexual desires, or they resent them for being able to go to work and enjoying yeah. you know, a healthy social life as well. I'm just going to go catch up with the guys after work. It's like, oh my gosh. Feel free, right? <laughs> yeah, totally yeah, free. Like it's, it is that thing of like, but I'm here, I'm, I'm struggling, can't you help? And they really, you know, and, and most partners are so responsive and receptive and they do their best but when you understand that there's so many factors related to this postnatal depletion um, they can't possibly see it all they can only help as much as they can help because the rest is up to us to seek the help we need I think um, or have people around us recognize you need support you need help and it goes beyond just um, do you want to talk it's who can we get you to test your hormones? Who can we get you to to test all your micronutrients? Like it really, there's a lot of levels to recovery. And I think that's something that um, is why often women won't attempt to change anything. It's just too much. It's like, I'm not even getting through the day. How can I possibly find time to go with my newborn baby to an appointment, you know, to a specialist, to a this, to a that? Yes. I can't do it. So in it's almost that overwhelm. I can't do any of it. So I'm not going to do any of it. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And, um, like, you know, the, the struggling with basic self-care and, you know, everything else I think is all just part of that sense of overwhelm, the inability to cope. Um, I think that a lot of mothers will also have that sense of guilt and shame. Um, like there's this, there's these undertones of like, you never feel like you're doing a good enough job. Um, or you're just feeling guilty about the fact that you're not um, having enough time for you or you're not having enough time for your friends or other family members or anything else. So there's there's always that you're always on the back foot. Like you, there's never going to be enough time or you're never going to be good enough and everything else. Yeah, and it's really um, really tricky to let that go. But let's talk about, I guess, you know, go backwards to go forwards. Why does it even happen? You know, why do some women feel affected by this uh, more than others? Why mm -hmm. do some women look like they breeze through pregnancy and postpartum and others just get, you know, hit with a semi-trailer, which is kind of how I felt with my first pregnancy? And I really think, you know, what we need to do is better understand the needs that occur through pregnancy, what actually happens to your mm -hmm. body as a woman during pregnancy. And, yes, we know we're growing a baby, but what does that actually mean? You know, what are they taking from us? because whatever the baby needs, the mother has to answer to. Uh, so every micronutrient, every mineral, every calorie, every element has to be provided by the mother. So they take from us. They're like little parasites. <laughs> you I'm know? glad it's you saying this, Ash. I reckon you can get away with saying this. I don't think I could, but yeah, totally. Well, because it is. And, and a lot yeah. of people don't realize that the actual implantation of the placenta is a parasitic function. Yeah. Our immune system is designed to kill that off, but it doesn't. It disguises itself. And this chorionic villi implant themselves into lining of the uterus and essentially the area of the placenta that takes up you know uh, 
tissue in our body is essentially the size of a dinner plate. And so one of the things I remind mums when they've had a baby is like, if I went up to you and like tore a dinner plate size skin off your back, that's kind of what's happened inside you. So can you understand why there's so much healing time required? Why the idea to jump up, get up, run around, chase after your other children is there, but your body physically is not ready for it. Because mm. if you could see someone with a dinner size wound on their back, you would nurture them and care for them until they could move carefully enough to not continue to injure that tissue. But we don't do that because we can't see that internal injury. And I call it an injury because whilst it's all very lovely and even the most perfect birth experience, the reality is when that placenta pulls away from the uterus, you have a massive tissue trauma internally. And that's just the start of it. You know, like forget all the, the volumes of blood and nutrients that have been taken throughout the pregnancy. Um, so when you start to see that um, degree of injury, that degree of uh, retention of, of nutrients that comes to the baby, it starts to become really obvious why women struggle, you know, why we start to get really tired towards the back end of our pregnancy. And it's not just because we're carrying a heavier load. It's because that baby is suddenly like stealing so many nutrients from us, um, huge amounts of DHA in the last sort of six to eight weeks. That's when the brain in the baby absolutely explodes in volume. Um, it, it huge amount of increase in cellular function. So all of the organs, of the baby switching on, saying to work, doing all these things. Um, and that requires everything we're giving it. So it's, I mean, pats on the backs, mamas, <laughs> for anyone who's grown a child, it, it's a huge thing and it's a massive thing to even get that far and then not to mention what has to happen when you start breastfeeding. So, yeah, you can start to understand why it's very common for the busy modern woman to struggle with returning to herself, to the woman she was before pregnancy um, because there's so many demands on us. It's not just in a physical sense, it's the emotional sense. It's the the career-driven sense. It's the who I am and what I want to be coupled with, oh, but I'm also a mother and how you balance all of that. I mean, there's a lovely term that is used in some circles um, and it's becoming more common and it's that concept of matriescence. It's this move from maiden to mother um, in a spiritual sense. So there's that huge evolution of woman through this period of time as well. Um, not to mention the increase in inflammation in the body because uh, the placenta, you know, produces an inflammatory response. So it's a natural elevation of inflammation as we're pregnant, um, which is essential and important. It plays a role there to sort of sensitize the body towards any potential risks to the baby. Um, but that increased inflammation has a knock-on effect. You know, there's just so many... Oh gosh, I think we could talk for three hours on this, but um, and we really should get uh, Dr. Oscar, who wrote the postnatal depletion cure book, to come and have a chat to us because I'm sure he'd do a great job of you know uh, summing this all up for everyone. But we know this from a clinical setting, you know, from our experiences with mums and working with women, and my own personal experiences as well. So it is something that I think we can share this information very well with all the women we know because it's permission to say it's okay to not be okay. Yeah, and how um, different is that 
these days. Like women are just, you know, as you said before, it's just that expectation of you're going to be tired, you're going to be depleted, you're going to be, you know, feel like you are not yourself anymore and that's just okay. That's just part of the sacrifice that you're making as a mother, right? Um, and like where, but where does that end and how long is acceptable for that for that to be the case? Um, and Ash, this is not, like if we start sort of looking at, okay, what are some practical solutions here? So um, I think you've painted such a beautiful picture of, you know, this is exactly what's going on for women and you're not alone and it's it's common, so, so common that you're feeling this way. Um, and But what can you do about it? So this is not something that just, you know, more massages is going to, you know, buy your way out of. Oh, do um, those too though. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and if that's what self-care looks like for you, absolutely. Because this is so much more of a systemic issue about the way we see motherhood and the value that we place on that and the fact that we need that tribe and whole community to support not only the um, development of the baby but the mum as well. And this is also not something that I don't think you can simply just supplement your way out of either. I think there needs to be, you know, it's a bit of a combination of of looking after not just your physical health with the right nutrients and support, which might mean, you know, supplementation and that sort of thing would be the starting point, like you mentioned, Ash, the DHEA. Oh, sorry, DHA. So your omega-3 fatty acids, so your EPA and DHA, um, absolutely critical. Things like magnesium as well, like so, so important with, um, you know, your B complex to help just support those adrenal glands, bring that cortisol down, um, get that cellular energy and that cellular replication and recovery sort of happening really, really well. Um, but also like what kind of support do mums need? Like Ash, what, what could, so women who have got girlfriends who are suffering with these sorts of things like or sisters that you know might be really really depleted and you think that um there's nothing that you can do like what would make a difference i think one of the probably the foundational i say concerns issues comes actually from ourselves it's expectations we place on motherhood Mm -hmm. or expectations we place on the experiences um, of mother and i think you know for a lot of women we don't even know how to admit our vulnerabilities because we've set the bar so high for ourselves that we can't ask for help because we don't want to admit that we feel a sense of failure in that request. Um, So, you know, it can be really hard to see the mums who are struggling because often they'll wear a really good mask um, until you tap in gently and and ask that question, how are you sleeping? Or just a gateway question. Um, Don't ask about the baby. Ask that question of the mother because so often when you meet, you know, other mums or even just, you know, the the mum in the street is like, oh, what a gorgeous little one. Um, how's it all going? You know, and they, oh, yeah, they're great. Oh, my baby's beautiful. Like they, they want to tell you all the nice stuff. But if you turn to them and, and uh, you know, I say eyeball them, like look them straight in the eyes and say, and how are you doing? You know, with a depth of sincerity that lets someone know, I'm actually asking you. No, don't just say good. Yeah. They're like it's, it's an intensity that says good won't be the right answer. So I know I can be honest with this person. And I find that in a clinical sense, um, doing that actually opens a gateway for women to say, actually, it's really effing shite at the moment. Like, you know, <laughs> like it gives them permission to say, thank you for asking about me because I'm not doing okay. You know, so that, that, that moment. So just take care when you do, you know, chat to your mums. Don't always ask about the baby because if the baby's 
you know, sitting there alive, <laughs> chirping away in the in the pram, they're probably fine. The mum's doing an amazing job, um, but yeah. on the inside, mums, you know, could be really struggling, and that's something that uh, we don't wear well uh, when we have these masks that we put on. So that's probably my number one thing: is don't always. Um, hit a mum up with like, oh yeah, mother, it's hard. Oh yeah, it's tiring. Cause it doesn't give her permission to say, but I'm really tired. Yeah. It makes her feel like, oh, well, I can't really complain because everyone else feels like this. Um, and then sense of like, oh, I'm complaining. You know, there's that guilt again, right? You mentioned it earlier. We're saying why well, we have so much guilt in motherhood. Well, oh, I feel guilty for saying I'm feeling bad because I don't want to make another woman feel worse about her experience. Like it's just, oh, I think we, we just need to raise the bar for women in general when it comes to um, motherhood and postpartum recovery for sure. So I don't know if that answers that. I ta- got a tangent there. got a no, no, it was perfect. It absolutely. So Ash, what you're saying is um, like, you know, prioritize the mum and finding out how she's doing and really see if you can um, get a bit deeper there with her um, and not just ask and inquire about the baby because she's going to offer that information anyway. Yeah. Um, but it's the letting go of expectations, which I think is so critical um, and, you know, gosh, just one of the most important things that all women have to do. Um, Ash, sometimes I think for women um, as well, when they're in the depths of this, they just need something to look forward to as well, rather than the monotony or the robotic day in, day out of just the exact same thing over and over with their system being more and more depleted. Um, When you're in that state, what would be something that would be meaningful that you would be looking forward to? I think what I couldn't ask for the first time that I was much better at asking for the second time was the idea that I think if you can give any mum help, the two things that will help her greatest is care for other children. Oh, yes. So go and offer to take any kids in the house out for a while and just give mum some time. If baby's sleeping, take mum you know, out of the room and say, upstairs, go have a rest. I've got baby and I've got other kids. We're good. You're fine. Yeah. Everything's safe. I'll call you if anything is needed. And just that permission to be like, I've got this is such a, oh, it's a, it's a, an exhale for mums. It really does make you feel like, okay, I, I, I'm okay for, I just yeah. get half an hour for me. Go over and let them have a shower on their own without having to look through the glass, the baby on the floor while you're quickly washing to try and get everything done. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's so comment you ask any mum they're like oh my god yeah the showering like you literally you're just trying to get in and out so your baby doesn't roll across the floor and start licking the toilet or something you know like it's just <laughs> it's just those moments you just think oh is this every woman's experience um the other thing meals food snacks it's just the most beautiful thing um to receive something without asking it's like oh my gosh like you totally needed that just one less meal to cook or just provide a week's worth of frozen foods for the children in the house because often parents are trying to cook different types of meals for the whole family and it's just one step too far so mums will neglect themselves they'll make sure the far everyone else in the family is fed the kids are fed and they'll just pick away in the kitchen as they're preparing stuff which is i'm completely guilty of doing so yes i would say food and time um, because there's no amount of baby clothes that help you when you're struggling. Oh, isn't that amazing? Um, okay, I think that that's perfect advice, Ash. And 
there is so much more to this in terms of the community support and the way that we need to, um, you know, stop these expectations on women and, you know, maybe changing our expectations later and everything else. But we can't solve all the world's problems in in one go. Um, but I do think that that is some amazing advice. So um, dropping the expectations, offering women time and food. <laughs> Um, I think trying to find something to look forward to as well. Um, and even if that is just having a coffee with a girlfriend or, you know, just some sort of connection that gives you that semblance of um, the woman that you still are. Um, yeah. And let's and- just say we're 10 years into it though. You know, I think then you really need to go beyond that and that's where mm-hmm. it becomes really important to seek out health professionals who work in this space, yeah. whether it be postpartum or even just motherhood counselling, um, seeking someone who can, you know, guide you through some some pathways, some mm-hmm. some ideas, some concepts to help you open up your boxes of success or happiness or whatever it is that you need. Um, but then getting to the root cause of any potential nutrient depletions. So those micronutrient yeah. tests, the hormone panel testing, all of these things we've talked about in other episodes, but mm-hmm. more to do with this idea of let's get to that root cause because there is an underlying issue. It may not just be mental lethargy and exhaustion. It could be the physiological aspects that are being um, you know, depleted, which is why the mental and emotional aspects are there as well. Nurturing your adrenal system. You know, We say time and time again, stress is the number one thing underpinning almost every symptom we described today isn't it like when mm. you think about it and that stress response that cortisol response affects you know everything from melatonin for your sleep and your circadian rhythm um through to your immune system function your gut function uh, memory f- concentration this is all interconnected so anything that can be done to help nurture um, your adrenal system is something that's going to improve your well-being and that's just that slow down approach in, instead of running we're going to do yoga instead of um yeah. Yes. you know high intensity workouts we're going to do some walking like there's just there's got to be a change and a shift in how we're doing things to recover well um and i think you know yeah. the the overlooked thing that i is probably and this is probably for the mums you see with you know eight nine ten year olds they almost feel like they shouldn't be saying there's a problem. Like, I don't have babies anymore. They sleep through the night. What's wrong with me? Um, so, again, it's that other side of it thinking, well, my kids aren't little anymore. I shouldn't be feeling like this. Um, and that then relates to the idea, well, maybe there's other things. Because usually by that stage, we're starting to see thyroid issues, metabolism issues, yeah. um, you know, weight gains, issues with uh, overall well being, hair, skin, nails, like all of these clues about the the chronic nature of the imbalances. So, um, yeah. Ash, I've had women tell me that they haven't slept properly for 22 years. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and since their first child was born. And Mm. that is a long time. That is a lifetime of sleep deprivation and absolute adrenal depletion and, you know, everything else that goes along with that. And not just to, not to mention how disordered someone's metabolism would be because of that and how it changes your, um, you know, insulin production and how your liver and your gut function, everything else. Like there's so much to that. It changes your entire system. And one of the real keys to women's health is their adrenal function. Like for men, I really think one of the keys for them is how well their liver works. So, um, and not that we're being sort of reductionistic and pulling bodies apart and going, okay, this is the the main part we've got to work on. But for women, the adrenals are just so key to 
everything. Mm. So, you know, no wonder um, that we have a term now called postnatal depletion syndrome yeah, um, to encapsulate what women have been feeling for a long time. Uh, well, look, I'm going to give you my one piece of advice, which um, is for all women at any age and stage, you know, in the postpartum experience. Um, my one thing is just to start right there, as you mentioned, with the adrenals, and that is to mm. incorporate a 10 to 15-minute daily ritual which is all about switching out of fight or flight. It's how we calm down our sympathetic nervous system. That may be something like a bath if you have the opportunity. It could be just lying down in the sun with our eyes closed. It could be a meditation. It could be some stretching, some breath work, um, anything that you think of that makes you feel like oh, you can breathe out and exhale is the thing that's going to change that that stress response and the more you practice that the more your body is able to do that um, throughout the day but if you don't have an on-off switch then you're never going to feel or return to that balance that you had once upon a time. Um, even if it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago, like you said, you start one place and I always recommend just start with one thing that you can actually do. And if you can't dedicate 15 minutes a day to that, then there's no amount of counseling and all these other things people can do for you. That's actually going to help you. You know, you have to start with one thing you can do for yourself. Oh, I think that's perfect. All right. So, ladies, um, again, this topic was all about postnatal depletion syndrome. Um, feel free to send this through to your girlfriends so that you can all um, have your aha moments about, <laughs> um, you know, the, the, the term or the name onto something that um, finally has a name and... Ladies, you've been listening to Wellness Women Radio. We are the Wellness Women, Dr. Ashley Bond and Dr. Andrew Huddleston. We are raising the bar for women's health. And until next week, be well. And just if you've still tuned in there, I just thought I'd quickly throw my resources so anyone who's keep listening will get this. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> I just thought I'd just give you the books that always go around uh, my borrowing library. One is The Fourth Trimester, which is a postpartum guide to healing your body, uh, balancing your emotions and restoring your vitality, which is Kimberly Ann Johnson. We've got The Postnatal Depletion Club. Cure by Dr. Oscar Serilak. And then I love um, by a beautiful postpartum doula here in WA, which is newborn mothers when a baby is born. So is a mother by Julia Jones. So they're just my three that, mm. you know, any one of those three, I said to my mom's just pick up something. Um, and then there's also, you know, the 40 day uh, postpartum experience. Uh, there's a book all about that. And that's a really good time just to understand that golden window after birth. So they're just my little tips um, that sit in my library in case you're interested and you want to read something or grab an audio book. That's probably where I'd start. So yeah, that's it ladies. <laughs> awesome. Thanks. Ash. Bye. Thanks, ladies. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.